Hey, what's up, South Point? My name's Kenny. How's everybody doing this morning? You guys doing all right? All right, there's a couple people awake. You gonna wake up now? We're gonna talk about forgiveness. Amen. Isn't it funny how you say the word forgiveness and sometimes somebody or some situation just automatically comes to your mind? Maybe you're thinking of someone you need to apologize to, right? Or somebody that needs to apologize to you. A husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, I don't know brother, co-worker, friend, whatever. And some of us are dealing with so many hurts and so many irritations, and some are small, some are big, some are serious, some are intentional, and some are not intentional. Maybe you've been lied to, maybe you've been taken advantage of, spoken to harshly, or even cheated on. So when you hear that word forgiveness, it stirs up a lot of emotions in us, right? Some, those aren't always, doesn't, doesn't always bring out the best in us. I know that there are some here that are already bracing themselves. They're like, Kenny, you just don't know what I've been through. The last thing I need to do is hear you say forgive and let live, right? You need to just get over it. Let go and let God. And maybe some of you just want to walk out right now. Please don't. See, I'm not going to do that. Because I know that there are things that, that are just not that simple. And if you're living with an unforgiving heart, you already know how hard it is, right? You already know how unhappy you are. I don't need to tell you that. Maybe you've been dealing with this for a week. Maybe you've been dealing with it for 30 years. I don't know. You know how it's destroying your relationships with other people. You know how, already know how it's hurting your relationship with God. You don't need me to tell you who it, you know. You don't need me to tell you that. And it's so easy to get focused on our pain and on our anger or on getting revenge, which is always my favorite way of dealing with things, making somebody pay for it. But then we find ourselves without peace and without joy. Or maybe you're just sitting there knowing that... You need to ask somebody to forgive you. Something you've done, you need to ask somebody to forgive you for, but you just can't, you just can't bring yourself to do it, right? But you got that nagging feeling in the back of your head that your conscience just won't leave you alone. And if that's you, man, please don't walk out. I've been there more times than I care to mention. Remember this one time I was teaching first and second grade boys at this church, and one of the boys came to me and he said, listen, I, 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 I want to get baptized. Now, this was before I was saved, right? I was doing church because I thought it was the right thing to do. Well, this kid and I went to the pastor, and we talked to him about being baptized, and the pastor determined the boy wasn't ready, and I was furious. Remember, this was before Christ for me, right? And later on, when we were alone, I went off on this pastor. I ripped him up one side and down another. Now, remember, I grew up in church. I knew my Bible. I just didn't know anything about the relationship with Christ, right? But this poor man... I went way overboard, but he didn't budge. So I want to fast forward 20 years. Yeah. Same thing happened to me. The only difference is somebody didn't go off on me. But it, it made me realize that I had sinned against this man of God. So I called the church right away looking for him. Of course, he was long gone. It was 20 years later, right? I did a search, and I found out that he was teaching at this denomination's college. So I called and left a message. About a week later, he called me back, and I apologized, and I asked for forgiveness for the things I said and the things I did. And the funny thing is that he remembered me, but he had no recollection of the incident. 
See, he was godly in his actions, and he chose not to hold this against me, even though I hadn't asked for forgiveness. So when I did ask, this was a non-event because it wasn't something that consumed him for years, right? I'm telling you, this ain't going to be easy. But our relationships, especially our marriages, are going to suffer until we learn forgiveness, which means that we have to fix our hearts before we can fix our marriages. Now, you can't change your spouse's behavior. You can't change their attitude. But what you can change is yourself and probably even your relationship. See, we all grow. I'm not the same person I was when Chris and I got married any more than she's the same person when we got married. And forgiveness isn't a quick fix where we just get to pretend that everything's okay and then we get to move on. And it may take time to let go of attitudes and to, to, to right wrongs and to fully reconcile. But every journey begins with what? The first step. So what is our first step? We have to seek forgiveness. True forgiveness is something that, that has to be sought first, right? Before it can be given. They say if it weren't for marriage, men would spend their whole lives thinking they had no faults at all. <laughs> marriage truly has a way of showing us both how imperfect we really are, doesn't it? Look, if we've caused offenses and if we've caused pain, then we have to be willing to admit that to myself, to my God, and of course to my spouse. But then we have to be willing to deal with our own part of the blame. Jesus said, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See, I gotta check me first, right? I, we all have blind spots. Every single one of us has the capacity for self-deception. I know I do. It's a lot easier for me to blame Chris or blame a coworker for all my problems than it is to look at myself and fix what's wrong with me. And you may not be able to turn a bad relationship into you, turn around on your own. But how much of that bad relationship is truly your fault? That, that part of it depends on you. That's how much of the relationship you're responsible for. And they say that relationships are 50-50, right? That's a lie. It's more like 100%, 100%. And I got to point out that if you're the only one interested in saving your marriage, it's going to be extremely hard because there's only so much that one person can do. And to be honest, man, you can pray your heart out and you can do all the right things and you, you may still find yourself in divorce court because God is not going to overpower your partner's free, free will. He can do miracles, but up to, ultimately it's up to your spouse whether he or she wants to be a part of that miracle. God is only calling you to do what you can do. But if you lead by example, you never know what the other person is going to end up doing. So seeking forgiveness means that first you have to what? Confess. Own up to what, to what you've done. Don't try to justify things. That's the easy way out. Don't bring up the other person's fault. Because let's be honest, if we're all sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to ourselves, we know when we've hurt them. We know when we have to say, I'm sorry. Those are hard words to choke out sometimes, man. But don't be a coward. Say them. A wise man once told me that an argument battle is as simple as a battle between what's more important. What I think or believe versus what you think or believe. And that that argument is me saying what I think or believe is more important than what you think or believe. It really boils down to that. And many ask, man, when does, when does God actually forgive us? When we seek his forgiveness by, by confessing our wrongs against him. 1 John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we want forgiveness from God, we ask for it. 
right? And if we commit an offense against a person, guess what? We need to ask for it. And you may say, what if my spouse doesn't want forgiveness? They haven't sought my forgiveness. Do I still have to forgive them? How could you? Forgiveness takes a giver and a receiver, right? So the answer is no. However, you have to be willing to forgive. And you have to love them, which is sometimes harder. You have to be ready for forgiveness. But we are no more obligated to forgive than God is when no confession is made. But do not let that be an excuse to hold on to your bitterness. You can always choose to offer forgiveness, even if the offender doesn't want it. There was a story about a pastor that was late for a wedding. He was getting ready to perform, so he grabbed his Bible, he grabbed his message, he tucked it in his his pocket. He gets there, he gets ready to perform the wedding, he opens up, and he realizes he pulled the wrong message when he says the word, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But isn't it amazing that Jesus praised those words to his offenders as he's being crucified on the cross? He is ready to offer them forgiveness. Sometimes we offer forgiveness because the ones doing the offense or doing us wrong don't even realize that they're doing it. Remember the two thieves on the cross? They're getting crucified on either side of Jesus, right? Both were mocking him, but Jesus didn't harbor any grudge. He didn't didn't take revenge or throw evil words back at him, and that's exactly what convinced one of the thieves of his own wrongdoing. The one thief sought forgiveness from Jesus, and it was given, and the other continued in his bitterness. But please understand, these people that are crucifying Jesus were not being forgiven. That can't happen until there's repentance. We've got to repent. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. See, repenting is more than just saying, I'm sorry. Somebody comes up, smacks you in the head, says, I'm sorry. That's not repenting. It means there's got to be a change, right? I've done wrong. I know that I've done wrong. I'm going to turn around and do what's right. Before we can receive forgiveness from God, we have to repent. He's not going to forgive someone who's not even sorry enough to stop trying, trying to stop sinning. Stop what you're doing, turn around, run 180 degrees in the other direction. See, God doesn't command us to forgive unconditionally any more than he forgives unconditionally. We repent before we can be saved. Then when we're in Christ and we do something that we know is wrong, what happens? We want to repent, Right? But there are times when we sin and we don't even realize that we're sinning and we're still ignorant or maybe immature in our understanding. And I believe that God's grace is still great enough to cover those sins too. So how much more do we have to overlook the offenses of others, of our spouse or somebody else who does something relatively insignificant and didn't even realize that they did wrong? See, we don't have to go around picking up your splinter out of other people's eyes. But when the offense is significant and it's intentional, we need to hold that person accountable for what they've done. Forgiven unconditionally doesn't confront wrong behavior in a just way. And it minimizes the harm the person did. Genuine love does not ignore sin. It confronts sin. And it seeks to bring repentance. See, God is too just to keep letting us do wrong. And he loves us way too much to allow us to continue to do wrong. So we show that same attitude to the person or the spouse that we've wronged. I'm sorry and I don't want to do that again. In fact, I'll show you. 
So right whatever wrongs you can. And that's an integral part of repentance. Proving it by your actions, because let's be honest, your actions say a thousand times more than your words ever can. So when you ask for forgiveness, be ready to back it up with proof that you're willing to do what you have to do to make things right. How can I make it up to you? Are you truly willing to do whatever it takes? Sometimes you can't make it right. You can only ask for forgiveness, right? And then do your best to be the good husband or a good spouse or good wife again. Show true remorse for the pain that you've caused. Be, be willing to make a commitment to not hurt your spouse in the same way again. Accept the consequences of the action that created the hurt. Be open to making amends. And once a person has sought forgiveness, then we are called to offer forgiveness. See, God does not withhold forgiveness to anyone who seeks it. So who are we to hold a grudge? We offer forgiveness because God forgives us. Scripture says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you, must, so you also must forgive. See, God has forgiven us. So we are obligated to have the same attitude to forgive others. Considering that every single marriage in the world is made up of two sinners, every good marriage in the world is made up of two good forgivers. Jesus said, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. See, man, we all make mistakes. We all have good days. We all have bad days. And sometimes we say things we don't mean. Even though some people may find it difficult, forgiveness is crucial in a marriage. There's a story told about a blind man who's crossing a street with a leader dog. And they get right in the middle of the street and the leader dog decides he's going to lay down. And the blind man's like, come on, dog, get up. Because he can hear the cars going by. He knows his life's in danger. He's like, dog, get up, come on. He's starting to freak out a little bit. There's a guy on the curb that notices. The dog just laid there. The guy on the curb comes out, he helps them both to the next curb. And when they get there, the blind man's fumbling in his pocket and he's trying to get a cookie. And the good Samaritan says, you're not going to forgive that dog for the way he failed you, are you? He said, no, but i got to locate his head before I can kick his behind. <laughs> How many times do we forgive like that? I'm going to kick you a few times before I forgive you. The scripture says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. See, people who hold on to old hurts, to hold on to, to disappointments, to annoyances, to betrayals, to insensitivities and anger are wasting time and wasting energy. Lack of forgiveness can wear us out, man. And even though it may be hard to forgive your spouse or your best friend, refusing to forgive someone who is truly sorry can cause more emotional and physical damage to you and your marriage. We end up being tortured by bitterness and hate. It eats us from the inside. We suffer ulcers and headaches, and we go over and over in our minds the sins that are committed against us. We suffer from high blood pressure and back and neck pain as we dwell on how, how to hurt back. We've got difficulty sleeping because we can't. We think, lay awake at night thinking about how angry we are. But what did Jesus teach us? He said, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Think about it. If we don't forgive others, how can we expect God to forgive us? If somebody is sincerely sorry for what they've done, we offer forgiveness. 
But how do you forgive somebody that you don't feel like forgiving? That's why forgiveness is not a feeling, it's an act of will. Nobody's asking you to have warm and fuzzy feelings about this or the other person. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you're condoning the hurtful behavior. We don't pretend that the wounds don't hurt because they do. And we don't pretend we want to forgive because, let's be honest, we don't. But we act in spite of what we feel. You say, but they don't deserve to be forgiven. Well, guess what? Either does this pastor. And neither do you. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. There is nothing we can do to earn his forgiveness. We can only ask for it, and he gives it to us. See, it's not easy to forgive, but for those of us who have experienced that supernatural forgiveness from God through Christ, it's a choice we make. Man, if God can forgive me of my sins, who am I not to be able to forgive others for theirs if they repent? But even if a person never apologizes, we can have a forgiving spirit. We can stand ready to forgive just in case they repent. And we can choose to love them. If that person is unable to repent, maybe they've died, God can still help you get rid of that bitterness and that hatred. He can help you override your desire for revenge and repayment. See, we are still called to love our enemies. And it may come slowly and it may come in stages, but we truly want to forgive, it'll happen. See, you don't have to view yourself as a victim, but an agent of grace who seeks to make the person accountable for what they've done to bring about repentance. You know, I spent my whole life not being a person that hurt me as a child. And the hardest thing I had to face when I got saved is that I was no better than him. I just had different sins. So the question becomes, how much, how much do I have to forgive? How many times? What's the limit? I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Matthew 18. I'm going to start with verse 21. It says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many times as seven? See, Peter feels like he's being grateful here. He's being pretty generous, right? I'm going to forgive seven times. Imagine somebody sinning against you seven times. Would you be thinking, well, that's not too many yet. Or would you be thinking, when's enough enough? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. 77 times. Some of our Bibles even say 70 times 7, which is 490. 490 times, are you kidding me? And it's just a translation issue because Jesus isn't really given a number here. Forgiveness should be unlimited. You mean I'm supposed to forgive somebody when they've sinned against me over and over and over and over again? To me, that sounds ridiculous. Aren't we just enabling bad behavior? Well, he goes on to tell a story about why we should be, why we should be forgiven. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servant. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. A talent was a unit of money. It was about 75 pounds of gold. And he owed him 10,000 of them. It's an amount of money that we can't even comprehend. It's about $5 billion. Billion. It says, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. 
And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him of his debt. There is no way that this servant could ever pay this money back. This was $5 billion. And I think that's the point Jesus was making. We owe God so much, there's no way we can ever pay him back. We've sinned against God so many times, a debt of sin that we could never pay off. And there's no way we can pay for those sins. We can't even pay for one sin because the payment of sin is what? Death. But when a servant begs for mercy, the king forgives the debt. How incredible is that? But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Using those same calculations, that was close to about $10,000. Which is a significant amount of money, right? But it's nothing in comparison to $5 billion. So this servant was just forgiven of $5 billion, this enormous debt. And he finds somebody who, in comparison, owes him a small amount and he can't forgive him. So his fellow servant fell to his knees and fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. How crazy is that? This guy has been forgiven of $5 billion, a debt that we can't even comprehend, and he's so unforgiving to others. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, you have received forgiveness without limit. He paid your debt full on the cross. And since we live in God's awesome forgiveness without limit, no matter how many times we sin against There is nothing in comparison to what God has forgiven us for. Over and over and over again. Doesn't mean there's not going to be consequences, right? We still face consequences when we sin, even, even though we've received God's unlimited forgiveness. If I commit a crime, I can still have God's forgiveness and still receive eternal life through Jesus Christ, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to go to jail. And if my kids get hurt due to somebody's negligence because I left them in charge of them, I can forgive them, I can choose not to harm them, but that doesn't mean that I will ever leave them in charge of my kids again. There would still be a consequence, right? We, we, we reap what we sow. But there is no restoration of a marriage without genuine forgiveness. So we have to reconcile. What is the main cause cited for grounds of divorce? Unreconcilable differences. But forgiveness releases the hurt so that you can be reconciled. Of course, you can't reconcile with somebody who doesn't want to. It's ideal, but it may not be possible. It doesn't mean things will ever go back to the way they used to. Man, if a best friend betrayed you, you guys may not go, ever go back to hanging out again. You may not be best buds again. If your spouse cheated on you, it doesn't mean you'll be sleeping in the same bed anytime soon. 
Your ability to forgive isn't dependent on hugs and warm and fuzzy feelings. The band One Republic isn't right when they sang that it's too late to apologize because it's never too late. But you have to move on. It does replace the alienation and separation with peace, with hope that things can get better. See, God wants us to have a right relationship with him and with one another as well. That's why our big idea is seeking and offering forgiveness brings healing to relationships. And there's people sitting here right now that have had enough with their marriage. And you you just want to throw in a towel. I'm begging you, don't do it. Some of you may need professional help. Get a godly counselor who bases his or her practice on, on God's word. Don't permit the possibility of divorce to even enter your mind. Don't even say the D word. Even in moments of great conflict and great pain, divorce is not the answer. Do not look back with regret and wish that you had given a bit more effort. Set your ways and determine not to let anything separate what God has joined together. Call on him for help. I can't tell you how many marriages problems would be solved if both husband and wife would just drop to their knees before Jesus and say, we humbly ask, we humbly come to you and we ask you to help us fix this. We confess the things that we're doing. Jesus, please do what only you can do. Repent of your sin and put your faith in Christ. And every single service, we have a time to respond, and this is your time to do that. All you got to do is text your name or email your name to the numbers and the email on the screen. Come up during the next song and talk to one of the people up front. They can help you by making this the best decision you've ever made. They can help you get ready for baptism. And that's where you receive forgiveness of the Holy Spirit. They can pray with you. They can answer all your questions. But no matter what you do, take your next step, even if it's coming back next week. This could be a good message on the miracles of Jesus and his power over sickness. We're going to transition real quick into our time of communion. And if you're a Christian, you're invited to share in a time of communion with us. If you're not, man, use these next few moments for a quiet time to reflect or pray or even shoot us an email or text us. And when you come in each week, pick up your communion in the back by the doors. Peel the covers, eat and drink the bread and juice which represents Christ's blood and body. Father God, once we were separated from you by our sin, but we believe that Jesus Christ took the penalty in our place on a cross. Remove that sin causing the sin that caused the separation, it's gone now. He took the initiative to reconcile us back to you. We want to thank you for your mercy, and it feels so good to be forgiven. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, I just want you to, we're still, we're still praying right now. Just say this with me. God, I confess that I've sinned against you, and I repent. I'm sorry enough to turn my life over to you. Forgive me, Lord. Change me. I invite you, Jesus, Son of God, to be my Savior. Father God, I just ask you to allow your Holy Spirit to fill this place. If there is anything in any of us, if there's any hurt that we've done, 
Anybody that we've offended, I just ask you to be with us so that we can seek that forgiveness. If there's some resentment that we're holding on to, because others haven't done that, I ask you to give us a peace. Help us to get rid of that bitterness. Be with us so that the things we do can glorify you and can bring others to you. Father God, I just ask you to reveal anything I need to forgive or, or, or anything I need to ask for forgiveness for. God, I ask you to bring hope and peace to the homes. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're finishing up time of communion, I'm just going to get into this next song and feel free to stand when you're done praying and ready to, to sing.
only wise King. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. For creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. wonder filled with wonder awestruck wonder at the mention of your name Jesus you name this power breath and living water such a marvelous mystery every voice with all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings you are my everything I will adore you Adore you, I will adore you, Lord. I will adore you, King of Kings. One more time, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Was and is and is to come. Praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Thanks for joining us, South Point. Have a wonderful week. Hope to see you right back here next week.